The Witchway Spellcast with Sorceress Chisholm. Hello, everybody. It's Sorceress Chisholm. I've got my tea, I've got my Christmas tree here, and I've got my cards, I've got the Fairy Oracle, and I've got the Goddess Tarot today. And we are going to talk about the astrology. I'm going to play you a brand new song that's going to be on my album that's coming out at the end of this year. I'm super excited. I'm going to debut it on my podcast because that's what I can do. So I'm going to do it. It's a Gemini full moon, babies. We are going into the twins. Twins time. Woohoo, not scary at all, is it? <laughs> anyway, I've got a lot to tell you. It's going to be a great show. Thanks for tuning in again for the final Which Way Spellcast for 2021. Woohoo! Yay! We've made it this far. It's been great. It's been a real journey, and I'm very happy to have stuck it out this far with you all. Thank you for your support and for your comments and your feedback. It's really great to know that this podcast is getting out there. I'm also very excited to bring you an interview for this episode that I had with Zoria Petkoska, who is an amazing poet and writer and journalist based here in Tokyo. So that is also coming up on the show. So yeah, let's kick it off, shall we? We are in for some pretty intense holidays, people. Just not going to lie, it's going to be pretty fun. Today is the 18th of December 2021 and the official, the traditional beginning of Saturnalia, which runs for the next two weeks according to the old Roman calendar. So we've got Saturn there hanging out in Aquarius looking over the people. Saturn is about to have its final square with Uranus, who's been hanging out in Taurus, causing all sorts of trouble and all sorts of riffraff and all sorts of revolutionary ideas. And yes, it's very interesting. That's going to be Christmas Eve on the 24th. They're going to have their final square, which, uh, yeah, heads up. It should be interesting. Um, hopefully we can keep a cool head. And I think it's... Uh, I got some ideas last night about the, the square between Uranus and Saturn. And typically Saturn is depicted as old father time, right? And Uranus is like the wild magician, the you know, the wizard, right? So I'm thinking, why don't we just make this about the magic, father magic and father time? Let's bring these together in such a way. And it's on Christmas Eve, right? So we've got the whole Jesus story going as well. The Virgin Mary representing Isis, Jesus representing Horus, the age-old archetypal story of the mother giving birth to the son. It's the solstice as well. It's all happening, people. These are the themes that we're working with. So I was sitting at my kitchen table and I was writing down some notes last night about what, what the Gemini full moon means. So it will be happening um, 18th and 19th of December, depending where you are on the planet, in the sign of Gemini, the sign of the twins. Gemini is an air sign, and uh, the twins could be any kind of, you know, idea of the devil on your shoulder, the angel on your shoulder, the person in the mirror, you know. There are all sorts of themes out there about twins, twin flames, the, uh, you know, the relationship you have with yourself. 
and it happens to be conjuncting a lot of dark goddess aspects of astrology. Uh, Black Moon Lilith, which is kind of not exactly um, a celestial body per se. It is the aspect of the moon in relation to the earth. Uh, Lilith being uh, the traditional goddess of the night and chaos and the first woman um, in Eden, Adam's first wife. There's a whole story there. You can go and look at that. So she is our, uh, yeah, she represents the dark feminine, she who cannot be tamed, right? And then there are the asteroids Persephone and Pythia from the old Greek stories. Persephone, she is a goddess of spring. She was the daughter of Demeter. And for six months of the year, there's no life, there's there's bleakness and no crops because Persephone has gone down to the underworld to be with her husband Hades, the lord of the underworld. And so interestingly enough, what's happening at the same time as this full moon in Gemini, Venus is about to go retrograde. She is stationing retrograde on the full moon. So what that means is that from our perspective here on Earth, Venus is going to slow down to a stop, what we will perceive as her slowing down to a stop and begin to move backwards it, from our perspective. It's not as if she's actually moving backwards, but from where we are on earth, this is what's going to happen. It happens every 18 months or thereabouts. So Venus is about to go retrograde in Capricorn conjunct Pluto. So she's down there <laughs> with Persephone and Pythia and Lilith. And it's basically the party's downstairs, ladies. Hades is hosting. Shit is going to get real. This is intense. This is dark goddess magic time. All right. It's time to tap into that. Okay. What else have I got here? Um, my notes are saying, okay, so being in Gemini, this is really important to go into our shadow work and be prepared to heal the hard way. Go deep, go tragic. Um, it also is it harkens to the myth of Inanna, the queen of heaven, and her descent into the underworld to meet up with her sister, Ereshkigal. This is an old um, Mesopotamian legend. And what happens is Inanna goes through these series of doorways and she ends up taking off her crown, her mantle, even her skin, everything. And Ereshkigal basically destroys her. And Ereshkigal is her this is the thing. This is the dark goddess um, dichotomy, if you like. So this is a very, very old myth that's been with us all this time. So the feminine is going through an overhaul and Venus retrograde is going to show us a lot about our past relationships, how we showed up to those relationships and how we're showing up for ourselves now and what's changed. It's taking that into perspective and in a similar fashion to how Mercury goes retrograde, don't take things personally. It's also uh, relevant to Venus going retrograde. In this case, your feelings are going to be really heightened. So it's really important to not take your feelings too seriously. That's not to say that feelings aren't important, but during the next um, four weeks, Venus is going to be coming out of retrograde at the end of January where she becomes the morning star. So this is the beauty of Venus retrograde, 40 days and 40 nights. 
We know the stories, right? It's so interesting. It's all there. We're going to be looking at all these myths over the next few weeks, all of these stories that tell us who we are, right? Whether it's putting up the pine tree, decorating a Christmas tree because we're Nordic, you know, we have Nordic heritage or whatever it might be. Um, it's a time of celebration, but it's also some, there's some serious redemption work that is coming through right now. It's basically, let's have Christmas in hell and see who turns up because there's a lot out there going on. As we all know, it's pretty crazy politically on the global stage, but also this is really about what's going on for you personally. So don't be surprised if you have some nostalgia trips, you know, hearing songs that remind you of past lovers or past lovers coming out of the blue and catching up with you and, you know, that kind of thing. But it's also really important to stay, yeah, aware of how far you've come in terms of your growth, how you've taken yourself to task. I know this personally, I've been taking myself to task pretty seriously lately. Um, and it has not been easy. Um, but I think it's great that we've got this full moon in Gemini. The Gemini is the lighthearted trickster. She's the joker. She's desire. She's curious. She's the child. She's um, having fun. It's like, hey, lighten up, you know. So there is that, I think, to offset all of the doom and gloom. So take that into uh, account as well. Yeah. Keep a sense of wonder um, and brotherhood and fraternity and, and sorority and, yeah, seeing other humans on this planet. doesn't matter what their religion is. doesn't matter what they're celebrating. We're all celebrating the end of the year in some way, shape or form. Okay, so this is a, this is a creative, chaotic time and there's a lot of magic here right now that we can tap into. Yeah. Keep it light. Get some art done, says Venus Retrograde. This was another little note that I got last night. Um, yeah, communications are heightened right now. Um, messages, deliveries, travel, things like that. The media, um, being a medium, right? Being a channel of sorts. Um, or change the channel depending on, you know, where you are now. What are you listening to? What are you taking in? It's always something I ask myself. So we're entering into this wormhole. You know, we've got the Saturnalia starting. We've got the full moon, Venus retrograde. We've got the summer solstice and the winter solstice. Um, here in Tokyo, it's going to be the winter solstice. I'm still on Australia time. Anyway, so solstice is happening on the 21st, 22nd of December. Then we've got Christmas. 25th of December. Then we got Orthodox Christmas, which is like the 6th or 7th of January, goes through for another week. I should also mention Kwanzaa, Hanukkah was earlier this month, Krampusnacht was also earlier this month. Basically, December is just chock a block full of holidays. And then we've got New Year's coming at us. So there's going to be a lot. And it's important to, you know, mind your energies if you're feeling too exhausted by something it's okay to check out it's okay to take a break some of us will be socializing whether or not that's a safe thing to be doing is something that we are all going to have to determine for ourselves based on the information we have right um but yeah be safe i think is really something we a lot of people are just trying not to think about covid 
it's like, oh, it's fine, it's over, it's just Omicron, it's not that bad. But it's still important to, you know, be be mindful and be um, respectful to other people. That's really what this is about as well. It's going to be intense. It's going to be, you know, chthonic. It's going to be, we're going to be getting down deep into this muck, all right, that we we have to get through if we're going to survive on this planet. Um, this is a time of regeneration. It's a time where we can really reflect on our ancestry. I've been doing that. I've been thinking about my, my, my history, chatting with my family. I've got um, Germanic, I've got Dutch, I've got Celtic, and that's what I do know. And I think I've got a bit of Italian in there as well. So all of these stories are resonating for me. And I'm in Japan, right? So the Japanese acknowledge the new year. Um, in a very uh, respectful way. It's a Shinto tradition. They go to the shrines and pray for good luck for the coming year. Um, the monks ring the bells. And, um, yeah, it's quite a solemn but beautiful um, occasion. There's revelry as well, like they're drinking sake and banging drums and the fires are burning. It's great. So that's happening here in Japan. So depending on where you are, you'll celebrate accordingly. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a good time to reflect on love. It could be your, a, a parent, it could be a child, but in this case being Venus, I think it's more about romantic relationships more than anything. But uh, yeah, so that's the astro. I know I've been rabbiting on for the last 13 minutes, but I've got a lot to tell you about and Mercury's making me do it because you know it's Gemini <laughs> so <laughs> if you'll excuse me this is my medium and so I'm using it okay and now we're going to consult the goddess tarot and pick a card for the month ahead last month we selected the uh, knight of pentacles which is all about the slow and steady work, the practical management of uh, tasks and doing the job willingly and uh, with care. And so this month ahead, we're going to consult the goddess. What is it that we need to know for the next four weeks while Venus is retrograding as we go into this holiday season? What is it that will guide us? Shuffling and putting my energy into the cards. Okay, now I'm going to spread them out and select one with my left hand, being my intuitive hand. Here we go. Okay, the card that I have chosen for this month, Three of Pentacles. All right, so we're still on a, an earth element theme here, Pentacles being aligned with earth. The Three of Pentacles is taking your work to the marketplace. It's uh, very appropriate because here I am about to release an album and I'm a little bit 
I always get a lot of, uh, I don't know, pre-release jitters, if you like, <laughs> kind of similar to stage fright. It's like, okay, I'm going to take my work to market. What are people going to think of it? Are they going to buy it? Are they going to appreciate it? Is it something that I have made uh, that is going to be received? I've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this album, it must be said, but on a general um general interpretation of this card is having the confidence to take your works to market and to take pride in the work that you're bringing to the table. I think the Venus retrograde season is also bringing up lots of um, themes about worth, what we value. Venus is associated with what we value, um, what, what turns us on. How do we find beauty? What do we find beautiful? What do we consume, right? So, yeah, three of pentacles. The goddess is saying your work is fine. It's great. Enjoy the process of bringing it forth. So that's, that's our card for the month. And now, as a special treat, I have my fairy oracle, my Brian Froud fairy oracles. Maybe some of you know of Brian Froud. He designed the fairies and creatures in uh, the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. And um, he also put out quite a few books as well, Good Fairies, Bad Fairies. And so I have the oracle here, and I'm going to ask the Christmas fairies. <laughs> their advice is I'm already getting mischief I'm already feeling the mischief but it's a good kind of mischief you know so let's see what they've got to say about what's ahead what's the advice they're going to give us all right shuffling fairies are you there that's my little song that I like to sing when I do this oracle okay fairies what you got? What you got? What you got? Okay. Choosing a card. Okay, fairies. Showing. Oh, the fairy who was kissed by the pixies. Oh, that's so lovely. It's really all about the love. It's really, really sweet. It's, I wish I, I I'm going to describe the picture to you. So there's a beautiful sylph. She's she's blue. Gah, gah, got crows hanging out. And there are all these pixies who are looking at her as though she's just so gorgeous and she's so pretty. I'm going to read from the book as well. There are mushrooms. There's a, I think it's a bear in the background with a flower in its fur. Um, all right. The fairy who was kissed by the pixies. Love given, love received, metaphorical open heart surgery. And this is what the book says about Morna. What's her name? That's her name, Morna. Oh, that's cool. The karma of relationships is the hardest karma there is. That's a Ram Das quote, but it's in the... It's in the um, write-up here. And she's saying, believe it. 
Mourner advises us to believe it. Love in its purest sense is the fast track to self-realization and enlightenment. Love, sweet love, accept it, burnish it up, add to it and pass it on, says Mourner. The presence of the fairy who was kissed by the pixies suggests giving and receiving love and intimacy in any of a wide variety of relationships. She gives notice that this is a time to open and heal our hearts. Different aspects of life may well be flowing happily together, healing separations and hurts from the past. Bonding may take place and deep feeling emerge. Changes for the better may occur in all aspects of life, but especially in relationships, which may be deepening and becoming richer. You may be experiencing love therapy for opening the heart as new relationships begin and old ones develop. Enjoy. Aw, that's lovely. What a lovely little omen for the, for the holidays ahead. So there you are. Special treat for my listeners today. Not one, but two oracles. So it looks pretty optimistic. Keep, keep, keep at it. It's, um, it's all going to be great. The Which Way Spellcast. With Sorceress and today I am joined by the lovely Zoria Petkoska. Hello, Zoria. Hello, Sorcha. Thank you so much for joining the Witch Way Spellcast. I'm so glad I could finally get you on as a guest. How are you tonight? I'm great. Thank you for inviting me. I've been listening to every single episode so far, um, and I'm very happy to be a guest on your podcast because you're such a good host and I've oh, been a guest to a lot of things that you've hosted I met you as you know when you were hosting the Drunk Poets Tokyo so I'm very comfortable <laughs> with you at the lead that's right yes that was some years back during the Drunk Poets event and uh, I was very impressed with your poetry which is what we're going to be talking about yeah. in the interview among other things so tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from originally and when did you move to Tokyo yeah so um of course it's very obvious that I have uh, an accent that people cannot really place where it's from uh which adds an air of you know mystery, mystery. <laughs> people asked me whether I was a spy uh, <laughs> I wish um it would have been a very, very interesting life. But you really are. But a real spy wouldn't admit <laughs> to being a spy, you know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I uh, was born in Macedonia, which was technically Yugoslavia mm -hmm. uh, at the time. Um, and so born and raised in Macedonia, which is in the southeast of Europe. Uh, very tiny country. So you know, people sometimes apologize. Oh, you know, kind of, sorry, I don't know your country. That's fine. It's okay. Uh, and uh, I've been living a little bit in a few other countries, but never, you know, kind of Tokyo is my real second home. And I moved here in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I've been here ever since. I did not come here to be a spy. <laughs> I did not come here to be a vampire. Also, <laughs> you can hear it in my accent, I guess. I came here to do poetry research. So actually poetry brought me to the country as well. Mm. Not just to drunk poets and to meeting you. Mm -hmm. um, I came here as a 
university uh, researcher, postgrad, uh, to research avant-garde Japanese poetry from the uh, 70s and 80s, um, which is visual poetry that's usually very experimental and, you know, like written with like interesting symbols and, you know, science and, you know, art. Wow. Yeah, it's very niche though. very very niche uh so i came here for poetry and i you know kind of stayed for the poetry of the city as it is that's an interesting expression i know what you mean tokyo definitely does have a poetry about it the the atmosphere here and like recently all of the leaves changing colors it's just so dramatic and uh i really like that expression the poetry of the city um, we actually did, uh, I think on one of the very first podcasts, I put one of your poems in the end of the, uh, at the end of the I had a little podcast, cameo. you did have a little cameo and you, it was a little haiku, I think, and you, you did, uh, it originally in English and also in Macedonian. Yes. Yes. Was, I did. It was a haiku about the moon because we went to this moon viewing. That's right. It was also kind of like a poetry writing meetup um, by my friend Joy uh, Joy Waller, who um, who got some poets together to go in the park and kind of we were trying to um, go for tsukimi. I think just like watch the harvest moon and write poems. And it was very sad because it was very cloudy sky and we couldn't see the moon at all <laughs> it was supposed to be an eclipse i think or an eclipse i think it was supposed to be something major yes beautiful. It was, yeah it was earlier this year it was um yeah going back at least six or seven months the red moon. i think it was supposed to be the red moon right right and, but um, it was cloudy so we couldn't see it <laughs> it was very disappointing <laughs> Uh, so my poem was about that, actually, about the moon kind of, you know, deciding to hide and that it doesn't owe us anything. Right. Yeah. Well, our uh, listeners can go back into the Which Way Spellcast uh, archives to go and have a listen to that one. I think it's episode one or two. Mm, maybe two. Because mm. it's episode one. Mm. You didn't have any guests. That's right. Yeah, the first. My, my debut was just me, myself and Irene talking about (laughs) (laughs) hey here I am world (laughs) so yeah it's our final podcast of 2021 yeah that that's great yeah it's also unbelievable no (laughs) how's how's 21 how's 2021 been for you this year um I've been talking to a few people it's it's been a very ambivalent um year it's it's very hard to decide because it had, you know, high highs and low lows. Mm. And it's like almost 50, 50. It's mm. a, it's a really weird year in that. So you can't really fully complain. Mm. I think not fair because there were like some really great things, but also you cannot fully, you know, like say, Oh, this year was great because there was also so many difficult. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your other work here in Japan. You also work as a journalist? Yes. Um, So uh, when I came to Tokyo, a lot of people were actually 
asking me to, you know, why don't you start a blog? Why don't you write more about uh, your experiences? You know, it's, um, um, it's a very interesting country, a very interesting city to be in. And people are, um, I mean, depending on the country, but like still it's a bit far, so you can't really go there so often. So there's always appetite for, you know, Japan content. Um, but even then I was so busy with uni and I knew it's so difficult to, you know, to start your own blog, but I was like, I can actually, you know, collaborate with people who, you know, already have like this media and I can work with them. So I slowly started freelancing and doing travel writing. Um, it's mostly travel and culture. So I've also like interviewed um, artisans, artists, um, other fellow poets, writers, artists, and you know, so on. Uh, so it's been a mixture of travel writing and culture writing. Wow. And currently I'm um, the commissioning the commissioning editor for Tokyo Weekender magazine, which mm -hmm. is Japan's oldest uh, English language magazine. Great. Yeah. That's amazing. So can you tell us what one of your favorite stories was from this year, from your travel travel writing <laughs> yeah travel writing took a hit <laughs> I, I, yeah yeah I was gonna say were you able to travel safely yeah. enough and not really we we didn't uh we didn't write many travel stories this year but mm. concentrated on you know culture so um we we talked about art and architecture and history and I think the most important and my favorite thing I did this year was I interviewed Kengo Kuma, mm -hmm. the architect who's like Japan's most famous architect currently, I would say. I mean, he's on the Time magazine um, list of 100 most influential people for this year. Wow. And he's the only architect there. Mm -hmm. So effectively, we can say he's, he's quite a big name. And um, he was behind the design of the Tokyo Olympic Stadium. Uh -huh. So it was very a very good interview and a very also like very rare to kind of get him. <laughs> wow, yeah. That must have been quite exclusive. Year, yeah, but like because the year was as it was, mm. he told us that he was supposed to travel, but he's also not traveling. So he's you know, he, he was more in Tokyo than he would have been. Sure. So that was good, right? You know way you managed also, to catch him <laughs> yeah I managed to catch him and he's really cool and like a really good to talk to and has um really interesting sustainable dreams uh for mm. Tokyo, you know for like bringing back more greenery um mm -hmm. wood and it was very interesting to talk with him up about the future like we didn't really of course there's a lot of stuff written about um the buildings that are already built but it was very interesting to do you know talk about his wildest uh architectural dreams and plans and goals and his office is amazing it's like a glass cube on top of the thing <laughs> it's all glass and wow. you know you see you know tokyo and you see like a little bamboo forest that's like hidden that i think nobody can see from the street but there's like a a little bamboo well it's not a forest it's just a grove uh, mm. but it's really nice and there's like the bamboo rustles you know with the wind I love the sound of bamboo in the wind yeah. it's so, so poetic 
<laughs> so it was a very, very good interview. And, you know, it kind of cemented me as, you know, someone who loves Tokyo and then being in, you know, in the office and having this interview and discussing the future of Tokyo. Yeah. It was very moving for me as, you know, an, a new Tokyoite, like, you know. Yeah, that must have been kind of like an initiation of sorts, maybe. Yeah, like, maybe. <laughs> it made it as a... Yeah, so that was, I think, one of the best interviews I've done this year. Well done. Um, yeah. There, there were a few runner-ups. I had a beautiful, you know, three three interviews with three makers, you know, artisans. There's um, Potter in Shiga Prefecture, uh, who I talked to, then a bonsai artist from Saitama, and a shamisen maker. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I really went deep into the Japanese arts and crafts. Again, I sure did. I think every year I have a few interviews, but it's always refreshing because you know everybody's different and I have a different you know story different um approach to what they do yeah yeah I how, how do you find these stories do they just sort of pop into your mind or do other people suggest them how is it that you how do you go about the process of um coming upon these stories and then finding the people to interview about them uh it's always a mix. Um, we do get commissions, you know, so like sometimes um, the magazine gets commissioned or you meet people on a trip. It's usually half and half. Uh, when you're a up and coming writer, you mostly rely on somebody commissioning you and you're kind of, you know, being asked to talk to someone. But then for me, because it's been, a, you know, a couple of years, already I'm now um, finding the stories myself which is you know in a in a an editorial role as well so mm-hmm. more and more I find you know like the people I meet them randomly and then I'm like do you want you know to to talk to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like like trying to find the you know the time to interview them so it's um yeah it's a mix but it's becoming more more natural to find them with sure I guess the more that you do it the more people you meet the the, the network becomes okay. a lot tighter and it's yeah. a it's fluid it's more of a fluid process to to move within those realms and yeah that's fantastic so you write in English mostly I write in English only <laughs> I okay think. Yeah, I uh, I use Japanese, uh, of course, to interview some of these people. They only speak Japanese, many mm. of them, uh, especially like the artisans. So Japanese comes in really handy to, you know, talk to them directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you can do it uh, with, you know, someone to interpret for you, but it's easier and much more natural if you can do mm. it yourself. But more direct my, yeah but my Japanese is not that great that I can write <laughs> in Japanese it must be good enough to interview these people <laughs> and they're and they're very nice and forgiving and they you know they know they are talking to someone who is not a native speaker of Japanese so they are very you know like aware so I think they're very good mm-hmm. so, you, so you can speak Japanese English and Macedonian 
Macedonian, of course, yeah, but I don't write in Macedonian uh, because I'm, I live in Japan and I work for international like mm. media mostly. Uh, I have written in Macedonian a lot in the past, but not currently, uh, yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the topic of your poetry. Um, I know from personal experience that you have brought many amazing original poems to the stage and also you've been published is that right yeah that's right i was actually published at the old age of 10 years old <laughs> <laughs> my first poetry book um was when i was very young i was in elementary school uh, but there were uh, there were two poets who kind of discovered me through my teachers and they were like oh this needs to be published so i didn't even know what was happening but Basically, my first book was um, an effort by, you know, the whole community, the school, the mayor of the town. They really wanted to, you know, to support the project. Um, and I got my first book published when I was around 10. It was written before that, but when I was 10 years old, uh, it got published. Wow. I, I had a huge gap in between. <laughs> I published all the <laughs> magazines, you know, like in kind of first of teen you know like magazine youth uh -huh. magazines um university magazines and then slowly getting up the courage to do a second book sometimes it takes time <laughs> sure and responsibility because i i became locally known as the poet girl <laughs> hey, that's, like, that's not a bad handle <laughs> it's not bad but you're like i have responsibility and then like nothing was good enough people know you yeah um then i published um a book a very experimental poetry book that was inspired by my first trip to japan yeah uh, because i came to japan as a tourist and i studied japanese a little bit on my own as a hobby and a little bit of kanji and i got inspired and did this whole poetry book that's with poems about japan mm. um and they are written not as poems but they are written uh to they are written in the shape of a kanji mm -hmm. i just realized it's very difficult to talk about this book you know on a podcast without showing it but yes a link it, i i remember seeing that yeah so the actual <laughs> shape of the kanji you would put the words to fit that exactly like the strokes yeah i saw that that was amazing um mm. so that was a big project that I was very proud of uh, that I did a few years back it's actually translated currently in Japanese uh by a great translator friend that I have Maria and we are looking for a publisher we are currently discussing it with two publishers but it's all been going very slow because you know passion projects are always like that you have to postpone them <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah that book I got a translated version recently. great yeah. is any of your work available online for people to read um so I have a Facebook page author's page that has a few poems that have been published in poetry journals and then there's like a picture of the page uh, that can be read on that website and there are a few samples from that poetry book that can also be read online 
uh, but not the full book. The full book is not available. But if you, I, I think we can put this in the show notes as well, the link to my Facebook page. And mm. there you can find my poems that were published recently in the Tokyo Poetry Journal, in the Voice and Verse a magazine in Hong Kong. I had a few poems recently. And the wordigami, the visual poems, this bodigami, wordigami poems, they can also be found on that page. I'm currently working on a series of uh, futuristic cyberpunk poems, both in the language they use and the themes they talk about, uh, very often imagining uh, technologies that uh, we still don't have or um, where current problems might end up in the future. Uh, they use interesting um, visual elements very often, like QR codes and um, a mixture of different languages and especially new words that um, are based on words we have today, but are kind of projecting um, how, you know, etymology will develop uh, potentially, right? It's just like one of many, uh, you know, one of many million possible outcomes. And I'm going to read a poem that's part of that series, and it's getting published in um, in Tokyo Poetry Journal soon, so this is a sneak peek, and it's one of my futuristic etymology poems that are um, written like a dictionary entries, uh, but poetic. So this one is called uh, Fiercers. Fiercers, free like lancers, fiercers on the corner, fear for the future, churned out their new name from free. Freelancers to fear-lancers when they worked for a fiver, but neither dollars nor LIN exist now. Only the future they feared. They are free. You are listening to the Which Way Spellcast. I have been chatting with Zoria Petkoska and we have been talking about her writing, her poetry, her life in Japan. And uh, yeah, there is a question that I ask all of my guests and perhaps you know, being a regular listener. Yes, I know, but I have not cheated and whatever I say, I think it's gonna be. It's fresh, it's gonna be fresh. (laughs) What does magic mean to you, Zoria? It's a great question. <laughs> it's a good one, huh? <laughs> good one, and it's I love it. And I was trying not to think about it, that I want to think about it in real time. Um, I really love the idea of magic. I've always loved it. I I read so many fairy tales when I was a child, as you do, as everybody does. And for a while, I thought that I might have magic powers, as you do. When- <laughs> my Hogwarts letter <laughs> so like magic has meant many things at different times for me um, but I you know I keep kind of opening up the definition of magic making it bigger wider and more and more magic just you know means um, this feeling when you uh when you're really excited about the world, I think that's, you know, kind of magic. When you get inspired to, you know, do 
things, when you get excited about the things around you. I think that's a little bit of magic. <laughs> that's great. I know it sounds very vague. That's but, okay. But that's, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been actually making the definition vaguer that it can, you know, the bigger, kind of the bigger it is, the more ground it can cover, meaning the more of your life can be occupied by magic. Yeah. If you, if you put like magic, you know, in everything. Thank you very much for your listenership this year. The Witchway Spellcast will continue into 2022. And I'd like to thank all my support friends and friends and folks and whoever is out there on the interwebs listening to this podcast. Thank you for being a part of this journey. And I do hope that this holiday season brings you the love that you need to heal, to grow, to step into the new year with a light heart. And uh, I will now play you the song from my new album. This is the title track. It's called Year of the Snake.
Watch the waves crash to the shore, crash to the shore, crash. 